Watch who? And welcome to Two Watch Who or Doctor Who podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And I'm a Doctor Who fan. And I'm new to watching Who. Watching for the very first time. Very first time. I didn't know if I was going to come out. <laughs> I just, as I was about to then, I was like, I've got some hot cross bun in my mouth. Well, yes, here we are. We're having um, tea and hot cross buns, apparently, in <laughs> Professor Cronotus's study. Yeah. Surrounded by many books. It's quite cosy in here, isn't it? Sure. TARDIS is in the corner. Doesn't stick out at all. Oh, well, you're probably having hot chocolate, aren't you? You don't have tea, yeah, I don't do have you? Tea, so. But yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. I th- so it's taken a bit longer for him to make. And uh, yeah, we're talking about Sharda this week. Oh, is that a knock at the door? <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> this is a shit I have to put up with all the time. Oh. Hello, um, I, I hear that a room's gone missing. <laughs> oh, hello, hi, hi, James, come on in. As you can see, the room is still here. Yeah, we're back now. Hello. <laughs> you've, been, you've, been on a long, you've been on a long journey, have you? You've been all the way to, to Sharda, I hear. Oh, we've been all over the place. W- welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll edit that together. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is what I've come for. I'm a long-term fan of this podcast, and I've come for the, the chaos that ensues. <laughs> okay, let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Sorry, I just took a bite of hot cross bun. Okay, okay well, well hey, before we start, we just uh, I just wanted to ask James, you're obviously a Doctor Who fan. How long have you been a fan? Was it the new series or...? Oh, it was the new series. I think I've probably seen, without knowing I'd seen them, some of the, the Cushing films. And, and my, my clearest memory of, like, starting was was um it, it was probably david Tennant. although i do have a memory a really vague memory of of seeing the emperor dalek from to from dark from the uh battle of parting of the ways i remember that that is the image that is seared in my brain but then i and then i think i probably saw christmas invasion and then and then it was i i saw the, the first episode of david Tennant's first series and got <laughs> because of all the, all the all the illness that was going around, I was like, "I'm not watching that." I was I was in my parents' bedroom. I think I was like, "No, this isn't this isn't for me." And then I came back. <laughs> came back for two things. So I think I remember you being a Doctor Who fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think people out there, Sarah and I, have some levels of connection. Oh yeah, I've mentioned that. Never into it, Mark. Mark never. I'm uh, sorry, I forgot. I think if my dad was in the building, he'd pop in and say hello, but he's he's out. So I know James because I'm from Lancashire and I sang at the Cathedral, which I think I've mentioned before. You, Yeah, you had the Abbott story from your... Yes. Your I mentioned, do you know what I'm thinking today? I was like, I'm sure I told the Abbott story on the podcast. So yeah, I was at Blackburn Cathedral and James's dad was the music director at Blackburn Cathedral. So... Yeah, I don't sound like I grew up in Lancashire anymore. <laughs> well, I don't think I do as well. I get told all the time I don't sound like I'm from uh, Lancashire anymore. Being at uni, it makes me increasingly more sad that yeah, I don't sound like Yeah, that's what happens, yeah. <laughs> There's like this gap of 10 years more. I was saying to Mark, I was about 19, I think, when I left Blackburn. I haven't really seen James since. So to me, you're like 10 because that's the last time I saw you. I think I, think I saw you in Cardiff. 
Yes, I did see you in Cardiff. You came to Cardiff to the Doctor Who exhibition. Yeah, it was like we every every couple of years we'd go, and I saw you, we were in the Novo Hotel. And, yes, yeah. And you came, and you you told me about your um your boyfriend who'd been in the fiftieth or something. Yes, like that. yes. But in my head, you're still that. And then you obviously you started listening to this, and I know that because your dad texts me going, "I can hear you from my son's bedroom." <laughs> 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 and, um. And then, yeah, and then, like, you met Mark. And I said to Mark, I was like, it's going to be so funny because you've met, like, James now, (laughs) who can legally drink. And, like, when I last saw you, you still couldn't legally drink. So, like, that's, like, that's the connections of time that we've got going on in this space. And, actually, you'll have more in in common with Mark, even though I've known you for longer. Yeah. Yeah, so James, I saw you at the. It was the Abominable Snowman. Yeah, yeah, with, fire, with wasn't the pad. it? Yeah, the special edition pad. Yeah, reimagined pad, much different than the uh, than the uh, Telesnap version. So, w- when did you watch classic Doctor Who? Oh, I, I think the first one I saw was either the Invisible Enemy. Oh God! Because yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think my my grandpa my grandpa got me um, the the canine box set, which came with. Canine and Company. It was either that or it was Genesis. It was one of those two, um, maybe at the same time. And I was like, yeah, this is good. And then a few years later, um, my singing teacher, uh, I don't know how much truth there is in it, but he had apparently worked with John Pertwee in the past. And Mm. um, and through that, I was like, I'm going to watch every John Pertwee story. (laughs) And and in a summer, I watched every John Pertwee story. Um, like going through the night, just watching them till like three in the morning. I, I till I fell asleep and picked up again at five. And then I, after that was done, I picked up Wurzel Gummidge and watched all of Wurzel Gummidge <laughs> just on on a John Pertwee kick. And then I think I was twelve, thirteen when I did that. I think I'd seen Remembrance as well. Um, and then after that, I thought maybe maybe now's the best time to do the whole thing. And I went from the start. And like we've uh, been doing, yeah. Over the course of of a year, I was fourteen when I did it, um, and I watched the whole whole of the classic series. Um, oh my gosh! And then the only time I've ever attempted something <laughs> That's my similar. Worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for, for me, it comes around in like every five years. I decide to do it because then I I did it again when the Twitch stream happened in 2018 i was following that when i could it was it was around the time of my my a levels as well so i was like when i wasn't revising i was watching the twitch marathon and then i then i lived in france for five months and i was watching things when i wasn't working in france and and then um in the last year and a half um i'm a student and uh i uh when i'm not at uni i'm watching I'm forcing my flatmate to watch classic Doctor Who. Sounds like Mark. Yeah, yeah we, we are we are essentially doing what you've done. Um, I've I because we live together, we've been a bit faster. We've just watched Mind Warp. Um, oh, okay, that doesn't mean anything to Sarah. No, it doesn't yet. mean anything to Sarah yet. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to the day it does. Um, oh, soon, not too far. Not too far. Everything feels like not too far to be honest well sarah it's pretty much three years this podcast has been going yeah i know i know wow yeah i remember when i picked it up uh following you i think my dad had seen you were calling out for people who had no no um 
yeah. uh, interest in Doctor Who. Like, we, we, we need people to, to come on the podcast who don't know anything. And my dad was like, oh, Sarah does a podcast. Like, <laughs> oh, nice. And I, I just started listening to every episode on, on my runs. I just, I'd be running and I'd be listening. And it was, it was, it was still lockdown. So I was, I was listening to those. Yeah. I mean, we started it. It's, I mean, what, we're in March now, so we officially launched in March, but we started the January of 2020. It's interesting talking to people about Doctor Who, I think, just generally. And I think back to those early ones. Actually, those first few stories, that first season, my favourite stories in that first season. Keys of Mariners. Keys of Mariners. Everyone knows it's the Keys of Mariners. Keys of Mariners. I left my Chesterton upstairs. I was going to have him with me. (laughs) Although he's not my favourite Doctor, that first season's so good. I mean, that first season, as those first couple of seasons are really interesting because it's it's sort of not the Doctor's story. It's Ian and Barbara's story. It is. And it's so different. And it's so... I mean, what it becomes is what it becomes like. And if you, you know, even now when we go back and I go, but compare it to this and compare it to that. Um, I find I when I'm watching There's something quite wholesome about it as well. Like, <laughs> yeah. That wholesome first doctor is the one that took you. I don't know. I find it, I always find it interesting when people, who so is, is um, uh, not Peter, we've just talked about that one, who, not Patrick Troughton, um, John Pertwee, is he your favourite doctor? I find, I, I don't like to pick. I don't. I don't think it's. I, honestly, I, I often find I think is unfair to 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 certain actors when they say, "Oh, this one's my favorite," because it's 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 always going to be like uh, Colin Baker comes towards the bottom or something like that. I'm like, I actually really like Colin Baker, and Colin Baker's great. And, and some people say, "Oh, Peter Davison." No, but I'm like, Peter Davison's pretty good. Peter Davison. It's like when I'm when I'm watching when I'm watching a Doctor, I'm like, this person's my favorite Doctor at the moment, and I can watch any doctor at any time david tennant is the one i grew up with he's the one who i started with pretty much and so i always have a special place in my heart for david tennant whenever he comes back the many times more he's going to come back how many yeah. times is he going to come more to come he, I'm, I'm waiting for him to be 90 years old and coming back and when i'm doing a marathon of a doctor i'm like i when it comes to the end of their time doesn't matter which one it is i'm heartbroken i i find that it's really difficult to been like, and even when Companion's gone, I find it very sad. I mean, I've only done three transitions so far because we're in our fourth. So, but I sort of feel it coming. I'm always a bit like, okay, yeah, I'm feeling it. <laughs> oh, but my favourite part is that you don't know what's coming up. That's why I'm trying to keep you like spoiler know, free yeah. for when and it's, people and leave or come in. I'm going to be very try. I'm going to be holding myself back. Oh, you'll have to, thing. James, because they'll tell you. They will tell you. <laughs> They'll be in touch. They, they don't know where to find me. <laughs> They'll find me in the, in the Student Union of Goldsmiths, University of London. They'll be like, you, you, what have you done? There's no Doctor Who society there. I checked. Well, bef- sorry, before we get in, just a quick shout out. So uh, listener Sarah, Sarah got in touch from Spain. Hi. She has been... Uh, listening along, she is watching all the way through. Uh, she's only up to like season, oh, what'd she say? Season five at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but she's saying she's really enjoying it and she's watching through in order and she's not seen classic before. And her favourite story so far is the Sensorites. <laughs> so. Yes. I didn't know the Sensorites was an interesting one, wasn't it? We had a lot to say about it. <laughs> 
also, yeah, and also just say hello to listener Andy as well, who was at the BFIC Devils that I had a chat to, and he hi Andy every week as well. So I'm also going to say hi, say, even though you don't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> so hello, hello to everybody. But yeah, let's let's talk about today's story, Sharda. Sharda. Okay, Sharda. So I did explain to Sarah briefly last week about this story not ever being broadcast at the time. Yeah, which, now I've watched it, I get why they made it. Well, they did make quite a bit of it. They yeah, did all locations. I get why they like added in the animation because yeah. I think I, I did this in, oh, what did I do this in? On BritBox, it's the movie version, yeah. am I right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Did you, which, so, which version did you watch? Uh, so I thought I was going to watch the episode version, but I accidentally watched the movie version <laughs> because on the Blu-ray, there's like the VHS version and there's the episode version and the movie version. And I put the wrong disc in. <laughs> we, like, oh, we've okay. done that before. When you've done that before. <laughs> but this is the point. There's so many different versions of Sharda. So it first came out on VHS in 1992. So it was all the studio stuff and then just Tom Baker just saying in between what happened. Oh. Oh. With this, with this massive Sharda. Sharda. Yeah, he does a really great intro, which is worth watching. Okay. So it came out there, and then actually, then there was an audio version of it, which came out uh, with the Eighth Doctor, but it still had uh, Romana and K Nine, and they sort of remade it because Tom Baker wasn't doing stuff there. I think that's how I first experienced it. Yeah. So I always thought of it as an Eighth Doctor story for a long time, and then it came out on. Blu-ray and DVD as this movie version with the new animation and everything. So they've got quite a lot of, well, whoever's still around, the some of the original actors to, to voice it again. And then on the Blu-ray, it's the first time it's actually the animated version in episodes. But then there is also, there was also another version, <laughs> fan version. The Ian Levine version. The Ian Levine version. So, Sarah, I won't go into too much, but basically Ian Levine is like a super mega fan yeah and he's my neighbor's guy he like, but for doctor who well, <laughs> like Mr. well sort of yeah but he was like he's been a fan like since the beginning and he rescued a lot of the 60s episodes from the archives and stuff it is not unreasonable to find episodes that are eight or nine years old it is not unreasonable to think you'll turn them up it is completely unreasonable now in 1998 to think that Marco Polo that was shown in 1964, which is 34 years ago, it is completely unreasonable to think that things like that, if they were going to turn up, they would have turned up. We would have found them. And, and also, he's a record producer and has got lots of money. So he <laughs> he's, makes these fan films and are like he's employed like actors and doctors and stuff just for fan but you can't release it because it's all like BBC copyright so literally like he's animated missing episodes himself just for himself Uh, anyway so he did a version of Sharda which is never going to be released it's his version he employed some of the original actors animation team version but yeah, so Ian Levine's version is like yeah, Ian Levine's like the Taylor Swift of Doctor Who. Amazing. Not, not at all. No, not at all. But yes, and yeah, yes, that's how I understand it in my head. <laughs> well, Ian's I was trying version. to think of who of who Ian Levine would be, who I could describe him as. I was going to say he's like he's not like the Elon Musk of Doctor Who. <laughs> is he? I don't know. I couldn't think of anyone else to compare him to. Anyway, Some and dark, also shadowy figure. But this version is the definitive version. I think this is finally it got finished after all those attempts. Like there was so much. I was surprised. I was expecting to be 
bits of it, kind of like when we did um, Missing Episodes, like little bits of it and then chunks of not. And I did struggle initially with the transitions because it's been a while. (laughs) So I was like going from like something on screen to then the style that it's done in as well. And I was like, oh, let me just rework out who all these people. And the voices, because they're older, are slightly different as well. So I was like, let me just wait a minute just to work all this out. But there was way more stuff that existed than didn't. Once I'd like got over that hump of the animation, real stuff, like, you know, I was fine with it and I actually really enjoyed it. And I thought it worked really well. I was a bit wary when they announced it. It would be like half animation and half. I was thinking, well, why haven't they... Could they just animate the whole thing? Is that going to be really weird? And you have that first transition. They do it quite well when they go sort of up to the sky and back down again. And then, like halfway through, you just don't notice it. Yeah. Oh, I should also... uh, uh, It came out as a book as well a few years ago. So it has had everything. (laughs) Every form of treatment it can have. I mean that that was that was a great series of books. Like I, I've only I've, that's the one I haven't read the the Sharda one, but the all the other ones. I mean, and there's they, they even did books of the unmade Adam stories, like the Cricket Men, um, which which like like this story, like bits of the unmade stories. Get uh, Douglas Adams was like, I'm not wasting a good idea. I'm going to put them in my books. So if you read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, some of like some of that stuff's in there. With this story of stuff with Professor Chronotus goes into Dirk Gently's detective agency. It's, it's it's really enterprising of Adams to just take things and like yeah these are good ideas and I think yeah, because it's a Douglas Adams story as well that's got even more sort of reputation behind it I think yeah it's just a shame that they just never got to finish it because yeah they filmed all the location stuff and the first lot block of studio and then they had two more blocks of studio to go and then they just got it was just strikes electrician strikes and stuff and but it's so interesting i I genuinely was expected to be and it was initially but you do sort of forget and and also i think what helps is the story carries so well like it's such a strong story i genuinely wanted to see where it would go and how it would evolve the acting on the bits that are filmed is great and that always helps because animation can only do so much you know but I, I found it all really strong. I think this will be quite a fun one to talk about. Well, shall I just start going through oh, yeah, the story notes and we will just discuss as we go. So we start off in space and we see Skagra escaping. And, okay, that first scene, the thing that lets it down is the really bad extras. Yes, are... they're awful. <laughs> they're so in their scene. When they're all like, oh. I was like, what? Oh, come on, guys. Skagra saves it by looking absolutely fabulous. He does. Skagra <laughs> is like, and but he looks right into the camera as well. He gets up and he like zones into that camera. And I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> he knows exactly how to play this script in this show. He's brilliant. He Yeah, he definitely saves that opening scene because you're like, oh, is this another Horns of Nymon style studio-bound thing? I thought that it was going to be... Um, you know, oh, what's it called? When the side characters are so... Oh, do you know, forget it. I just scrap it. I can't remember what I <laughs> at all. I've not clue. The thing that stands out to me when it when it started was the music. Because mm. it's, 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 it's Mark Ayres, isn't it? It's um, who's, who's done this. Because it's not Dudley Simpson. It's like it's in the style of Dudley Simpson, but it's 
Mark so redone the yeah the whole score is sort of redone the music is, is yeah, cause, never recorded because for the um for the Tom Baker interlink version from the nineties um that was that was they got Kef McCulloch from from like the McCoy era to do do the score and then for this one um, Marquez just really leans into the Dudley Simpson of it all um and the whole thing is dedicated to Dudley Simpson it says at the end it's because because he died in twenty seventeen they dedicate the story to him and it just really stood out to me um the music i mean all through the story we've talked about music before and when the music's good you almost forget it's there because it just leads the story so well and there were so many times in this where i was just watching things and i just thought god do you know what that music is I, I almost forgot i was just so engrossed in what was happening it really led the story and then other times it's the most noticeable thing in the world because it's so shit so this was not one of those. Like, I really liked the music throughout. What did you guys say about the the City of Death? Did you talk about the, the music for City of Death? Because it's sort of it's sort of it's seems, very similar it's, to that the Paris one. Yeah, it's oh yeah. I was waiting for that mark. Really <laughs> Sorry, I have to just give some descriptions so Sarah knows what what we're talking about. The way I think about it, City of Love, City of Death, because um, <laughs> uh, that's Dudley Simpson as well, and. Um, and, and then even the, the small light motifs, like I, I don't know if you, because Sarah, you've got music background. Mm. Um, that I, I've only started recently in my recent watch, like picking up on the light motifs that appear all through the Dudley Simpson scored um, stories, and and Marquez really lifts those little. Like the Doctor has a little um, light motif that I cannot hum now because I do not remember it. When I hear hear it in the score, I'm like, it's that. It's it's the it's the Doctor's light motif. Um, it's it's absolutely amazing to to hear the score here it really brings the story to life for me especially in in the animated sequences and at the start it, it sort of the, thinking about oh, the music sort of distracted me from the extras sort of wobbling around so i'll tell you what though i've just remembered what i was going to say before i actually thought the start was um something that they'd filmed and added on because obviously <laughs> i don't know i i thought that like because it just seemed too crisp and the set looked a bit too good for what we've had recently. And I just thought, why, if we've gone to all the trouble of filming this, it's <laughs> not such shit people. And then obviously, because you don't, I don't know at the start if he's if he's the bad guy. Like, I just presume he's some guy that's got up, zoomed into this, and then you realise, okay, this guy is like owning it and like, you can. Oh, yeah. He is the bad guy because he's got that scar thing. Well, I know. I, I genuinely had a moment of like, have they just filmed this to like add on? Like, because I hadn't worked. I know you said they'd added things in. And I wasn't expecting animation, but in my head, I was like, it's just some shit like thirty second intro thing that they've built into it to be like, oh yeah, and only because the actors were so shit, the side characters. When we see the ones later, and I'm like, they cannot be the same people. That <laughs> yeah. So much better as old men than they were young, dying men. <laughs> well, one of them, in I, are they are they the same people? Wait, oh, no, I, I, I don't think they are the same people. Um, oh, okay, uh, well, one of the old, of the, are you going to say who one of the yes, old guys are? Yes, yes, yes. One of the old, old men, the main old man who talks to them, Appears in the web of fear. Oh God! As uh, under Yeti underground. Yeti underground. Um, oh, yes. he is, yeah, 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 he, yeah, yeah. He is. He is Mr. Welsh driver. I'm. I'm just. Oh no way! 
loved him. Yeah. <laughs> Welsh so Driver funny. did it. <laughs> Remember the Welsh, Welsh, Driver, Welsh one? <laughs> oh, I'm only a driver, you see, staff. I'm, I'm just I'm really annoying all the Welsh people listening to this. <laughs> I mean, it's a shame he's only got one scene. Isn't yeah. It? So, I mean, so good in this. He could, he could have got off himself, Mark. Uh, well, <laughs> he, he he makes he makes the web of fear for me. <laughs> He's brilliant. I I had a lot of time for him. Mark hated him. Stop hating on the Welsh one. Um, but yeah, I think um, the model shots have been done new for all of this. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's because that opening model shot looks really. It's um, good. Mike Tucker work. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's done a lot of the. He does the eighties model stuff, so he's come back to do it. And then we're in Cambridge, yeah, in the seventies, looking amazing with um, Chris Parsons going round on his bike. All the bikes in Cambridge, oh, it's really. It good. looks great, and and actually, it was quite nice to be. We haven't had anything like that in terms of. It's nice not to be in a dump or a mill. Or like a location shot that's just a bit prettier. That sort of sums up this season a little. We've had Paris, now we've got Cambridge, you know? Yeah. Paris, Cambridge, Nymon Planet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the three the three who's. <laughs> the three the three locations. We were stuck in studio all last time, weren't we? So yeah. it's nice to have have all of that. And I love Cambridge. I guess we've all been to Cambridge and I've not actually recognised. You've never what? No, I've been to Oxford. I've been to Oxford a few times. I've been to Cambridge. You've got to do what I did last summer and go around Cambridge and specifically look for all the locations. From that's what story. Mark makes me do when we go places. Oh, it's brilliant because it hasn't changed at all. No, it, you can no. re- you recognise all those streets and everything because it's outside the the college. Because I went there, been there a few times. I went because Charles Darwin uh, studied there. I think you can go to his room. You're going to say that like you'd been to some sort of Charles Darwin lecture or something like where's this going? (laughs) No, no, but there's a nice statue. You met Charles Darwin? (laughs) I met a statue of him (laughs) and I went to his bedroom (laughs) and I had a look around. (laughs) But yeah, there's a lot of Charles Darwin stuff around there. Um, That springs to mind when I think of Cambridge and. Okay, well, we'll we'll see the Doctor and Romana punting in a minute. So we'll talk about punting. Have. Have you ever been punted? I've never punted. No. So because of Sharda, obviously, seeing that that scene, when I went to Cambridge, obviously I wanted to try punting because it looks amazing and it looks really easy. It's not as easy as it the looks. The dog makes it look very easy. So either he's been yeah. dragged along or he's a punting pro. I watched the making of um, after I watched the, the show and they said Tom just couldn't do it. And so it's, it's really deceptive. Is They're saying Tom was terrible at punting. Because he makes it look so easy. I thought he was like on an Italian gondolier, just like going along. He like nails it. So well done editing slash the person pulling it along is what I'll say to that. No, because it's really difficult because you get the pole thing. And the first shock was that it's really heavy. It's much heavier than you think. And then when you're standing up and you've got to try and balance. And the next thing is, 
it's really deep. The river's really deep. So I'm pushing the pole down and it's going down, 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 down. I'm like, where's the bottom of the river? So you, and then trying to like drag it up again because it's really heavy and you've got everybody else going around you and everything. It is. It does not look like it does on Sharda. I'll tell I'm going to do that with you what? sometime, Mark. Will. Uh, I'd like to try again. Now I've got over the shock of how heavy it is and how difficult it is. I think I'd be more prepared. I'm going to be reminded in my mind. Just led there doing fuck all, not helping <laughs> yeah, in any way, and you know maybe criticising if anything. When I was watching it, I felt. How, how did you feel about Tom's dialogue when he was when he was talking about the punt? He was talking about the stick and pushing the stick into the water, and the way it was <laughs> lingering. It was lingering on on Lala. I don't know how much you know about Tom and, and Lala. Yeah, a little bit. Well, I mentioned it. I think they're they're probably obviously going out. Well, at to this be point, fair, I, only, so. I was only looking out because that's the first scene. And Mark mentioned last episode, which isn't out yet, that they um. There's episodes coming up where they don't even look at each other. So I thought, oh, is this it? Yes. I mean, there was something, the way he was describing punting. Just the water. Punt. Strong pair of hands. And a pole. To me, it sounded so sexual. But I think think he, like, loves things like that. There was something later on, and I thought, that's Tom Baker. That's not the script. There was, it was, there was just some sort of like animal magnetism there going on. <laughs> it's like the outside world bleeding into the characters. Yeah. The, yeah. the fourth Doctor and Ramana were definitely, there was stuff going on there behind the scenes. They, they were at it. They were, they were at it. I think they were traveling for hundreds of years together. And we only saw a fraction of their stories and they were, they were at it. <laughs> Yeah, in the in the studio scenes as well, I think they're getting on very well. They're, they've got that dynamic. There. Yeah, when I started, I was like, okay, this isn't one. No, no, I'll, I'll point it out when they when it gets uh, fraught. But they're still very much honeymoon phase at the moment. They're I think Cambridge on a boat, of course they are. They're having a great time. They've had Paris. They've had Cambridge. Yeah, no wonder they fell in love. And then we see Professor Cronotis in his study, and that's a great opening because the TARDIS is already in the background, so you're already like. What's happening? What's going on? And Professor Cronotis is a brilliant character. I loved... It took me a while sort of to work out that he was a Time Lord. Um, like all that... I, I, I really liked him. I liked his introduction. I liked that he seemed like some sort of bumbling professor. He seems alien in his scattiness, like, in a way. It, it sort of makes me think, are all university professors that alien? <laughs> I think some of mine are. <laughs> he very much felt no threat, which is why, I mean, I'm, we're jumping, but when later on, I initially, when he did something, well, he said something to her, and, and it was only later on I thought, oh, it's him, it's him. But it's so nice for so long to not have that, and he really felt like no threat, considering he's supposed to be in this prison somewhere, you know, and locked away and all that. Well, it's this idea, I mean, jumping right to the end of the story, this, they, they, I mean, the fourth Doctor even says, like, Time Lords exaggerate everything. He was probably very 60s. He was probably, like, floating about everywhere, like, oh, peace and love, guys. Uh, and he was probably he was probably like that, and the Time Lords were all stuffy, like, let's put this guy in prison. <laughs> that's probably what it was like. I love that, because I didn't see it coming, and it was just, yeah, it was a great little addition that was done so well, because sometimes that could not be well. Sometimes it can be a like shit. The way it's plotted out throughout, you only get bits of it. And like he dies in like episode 
two or whatever, and you don't know if he's going to come back. And then you find out he's a Time Lord, and then you find out later on, and then the room is a TARDIS. I like how it keeps changing. It's You don't get that all at, all at once. And I like just the opening where the TARDIS is in the background. It's just a nice way. It's not your usual way of TARDIS land. They get out. You know, there's always... You sort of on the back foot a little bit to begin with. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good way of sort of plotting the story. And then you've got Skagra walking around, looking over the bridge. <laughs> with his hat. Now, we have to do clothes watch. We have to do oh, clothes oh, yeah, watch we on do. this. His cape, his hat. And then there's nobody in the background looking at him, going, <laughs> what is he wearing? What is going on? <laughs> Everybody's just carrying on as normal. People wear weird things all the time, okay? <laughs> I do every day. With his, with his carpet <laughs> bag as like well. i if I could. <laughs> but that's a very Doctor Who thing, alien with this, you know, deadly sphere thing in a carpet bag. <laughs> I like. I love the scene, and we are really jumping here. But I love the scene where you had like the um, the barbershop group all singing. Yes, the doctor zooms past and a ball, and no one's phased. Everyone's just like, "That's life," and carries on singing. Like, I love. How would you not miss this giant ball in the sky? That's like zooming along. Why would you not be like, "Oh, that's a bit weird"? But no, they're so in the moment with their singing. They're just like, I loved it. They're living life. Do you know how that happened? No, go on. There was this story, like, it wasn't just the studio where they had industrial action problems. They were, it was while they were on location as well. And there was, like, the, the con- confrontation with Skagra and the Doctor on the bridge was supposed to be a, a night shoot. Um, and and the lighting crew, they, they, they were called back or something, or the union leader was, like, they called them in. And they said, okay, we're going to have to remount this in the day. And the director, Pennant Roberts, and the um, the production manager were uh, in the pub, and they were they were like trying to plan what they were going to do, and like, oh god, this story is going to die. And um, and they're like, okay, we'll do it. We'll, we'll just have to do it in the daytime. And one of the people, one of the students at the bar, was like, can we be in it? And they're like, <laughs> they, they they were probably pissed, and they're like, yeah, go on. And then and then the next day, they turned up and were like, we're here, and they were like. Like you said, we could be in. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, and that's how the the, the barbershop so group were in it. The acapella singers. It was amazing. I it's love such it. a cool again, scene. It's such a cool addition, and it kind of feels like it's, it's very Cambridge. Yeah, it really is. It's really like I don't know. It just feels very cultural. In mm. a way. Well, the only yeah. other this just reminded me. The only other time I've seen that on TV outside King's College with the choir singing. I thought you were going to say neighbours. Was, was <laughs> um, on BBC, A Morning with Neighbours, live oh, from King's College. Goodness. And it was Dale Winton presenting and they were singing the Neighbours theme tune in, in that sort of style. Live, uh, it was like was it celebrating maybe twenty years of Neighbours or something? I've got it on video somewhere, uh, but it's it was very it was very that. That's the only other time I've seen uh, Cambridge on TV <laughs> so much was a morning with Neighbours. Oh, <laughs> it was very Sharda. So <laughs> Mark. <laughs> Neighbors. Sometimes I'm like, we are a Doctor Who Neighbours crossover. <laughs> I, I watched, started watching some Neighbours because Mark was talking about it. There we go. 
Job done. We've talked about whether we can watch some episodes of Neighbours. We have had that. We've recently had that discussion. People ask. People ask about Neighbours, guys. Do you want an, do you want an update while we're here? While we're please, just here, please. we just um, we haven't really got into Sharda properly yet. But I'm going to read live what the messages say now because now you've know. read them. So I don't know if this is out yet, James. But a few episodes ago, Mark never opens the messages. He just leaves them going, and so he decided to open them and read them live. So here we go. So now I've got um. I'm guessing you don't want 1986 to 2000. And then he's put 10 out of 10. Scarch, you can't get better than that. What does that mean? And then he's put, happy to send you an episode to see what you're missing out. There we go. No, 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 you missed a bit, which you sent me, which is about Amazon. That was the next day. And that's my favourite part. And I don't know why we've not talked about it yet. Oh, he's put, I have Amazon's episodes if you want to trade. As if he's like, they're how on Amazon. You, how I can, can you give trade? I was like, yeah, I've got Amazon, I've got Amazon as well. Amazon. I can watch the- <laughs> I, I think I that um, the rights to make neighbours need to be taken from Amazon. Uh, go to Disney so they can make a, a Doctor Who neighbours crossover just for you. Oh, my gosh. I genuinely believe that when he found out it was going to be back on Amazon that he sent them messages every day like this, like he does to Mark, and that is why the episodes are now on, on Prime. It's actually been me the whole time. I <laughs> we have to mention the Keys of Marinus, tick, and we have to bring up Neighbours Guy, tick. Done and done. This story, it's a six-part story, and sometimes we find them to, to drag a little bit, but I like how that first episode is quite relaxed. I, I could just watch scenes of them in the study just chatting having tea with Cronaut it's just all day it's just really Take nice and relaxing crackers, the, the, sto- the story's there you've got the background you've got Skagra sort of skulking around and, and these voices <laughs> but it's just really nice just to watch them having yeah just sitting having tea and having a chat to it's him. the moment where Skagra turns up at the university and he doesn't look at what's his name Wilkie he doesn't look at him he just goes you he's just <laughs> he's, he's looking out he just goes you <laughs> that's so rude he's yeah. um he's great though i mean like he as far as villains go he's definitely gonna bit for doska because he is so strong in the in the film scenes he's so like it's sometimes it can feel panto when they're a villain he's on that line of panto villain to like and he does it so well because it's so easy to just play villain as Panto Villain. He gives it a real, like... Well, I thought he played it really well, considering he's in that outfit to begin with. <laughs> he plays it brilliantly. He's he's like, right, I'm just wearing this. I've been given this to wear, but I'm going to play it it's like a proper it villain. Angle. It's like a unicard, isn't it? With then, like... But then he does... Yeah, so I'm glad he does change his, his clothes. And actually, that there's that bit where he goes... Um, it's in Cambridge, and... I looked it up because there's a there was a camera shop, Sarah. Oh, okay. There's a camera yeah, I, I, shop. Yeah. And then there's like the clothes shop that side. And I thought, I wonder if that's still there. So I Google Maps. That is still a camera oh. shop to this day. When I, was, when I went to Cambridge last summer, I went and took a photo there because I just have to take a photo at every location, just trying to line up the shots. And I remember it being a camera shop. Yeah, they're both. Ex- it's exactly the same. It has not changed. Well, I find it's still a road trip. <laughs> about about Skagra when when he he he's like oh I think you can help me he gets in the car with the guy they drive off 
how stupid is Skagra? He almost causes a car accident because he uses the sphere on him in the car. The car stops. It's like, they could have had a crash there. Why, you couldn't wait until you'd gotten to where you were going before you attacked the guy? <laughs> it's like, it's dramatic, but it's like, also not intelligent. Maybe he put the bag on the back seat and the ball fell out and just <laughs> decided to <laughs> ball him. The car pet bag. I mean, the ball, I guess, does have a mind of its own. The ball must have a mind of its own because it t- attacks several random people. Yeah. Oh, it, it knocks over that woman. Yeah. She's doing a shopping. Yeah. Did you notice? <laughs> She's proper going. <laughs> I, I really want to know if that was intentional or not. That's the one thing in my research that I missed. Was that was that intentional on the day? And the, or and and then the guy, um, the fisherman as well. It just attacks him for no reason. What's it going to get from that guy? What intelligence is there? <laughs> yeah, where did that happen? It's just because the field. So we've got this invisible spaceship in yeah, the yeah. field. That's a brilliant effect where he walks up. He's got the red carpet so, just so you know where I it know, is. I know, yeah, the red but. carpet makes it for me. <laughs> I love the red carpet. I was like, of course, who, who, why, why wouldn't he? Do you know what? I'm going to on my ship, but I've got to make sure at the end of it, there's a red carpet for me to, like, is that part of the ship? Like, does it roll up when they fly away? He bought away? it just for that. Is it <laughs> just, just there by chance? And he's like, this is exactly where we land. I loved the red carpet. Is it so we can find it? Because there's no point having this invisible ship if you can't see where the entrance is. But then it gives it away, having this massive <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. In the thing. I have a students drunk one night, stumbling like, hey, there's some red carpet there, and pulling it, but they can't because it's the bottom of a ship. And they're just pulling at like, the floor. They're like, what is going on here? Like, yeah, the red carpet's genius. That location is another one that I've been to, but it was just by chance that I'd been there. I was watching the story and I was like, wait, that's 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 Grantchester just outside of Cambridge. That's where Rupert Brooke used to live. And like, that's the pub I went to. That's the field <laughs> I went on a walk with with my mate. I put my feet in that river. What's going on here? <laughs> I was going to, I wondered if that was near Cambridge. Yeah, or not, yeah. So it's a little bit further it's out. It's Grantchester. It's, it's, um, it's, it's one of those, I think it, the situation ge- geographically is like, it's one of those towns that sort of gets, as Cambridge grows, it sort of gets absorbed in. It's one of those sorts of places. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, the whole, the whole of the location work of Cambridge just makes it feel so alive for me. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. And it really gives it like a different feel. It just, it really elevates the whole story in a way. Oh, can we talk about... What was his name? Um, young Parsons. Because got to Chris, Chris Parsons. Chris Parsons. Chris, young Chris Parsons. Because he got to Y, didn't he, in the alphabet when he's going, Young Parsons. I love him. And I was really hoping he'd be a companion. Oh. I, I wondered if you were thinking of that because he goes off with the Doctor and Romana, doesn't he, quite a lot. I, I, we'll talk about him in a second, but I just need to say I feel so sorry for Claire. She's stuck on her own for most of the story. <laughs> like a name that no one can remember, apparently. Yeah, she just gets forgotten for most of the story. I do feel sorry for her. Um, but yeah, okay, so Chris Parsons. So he's working out what's going on with this book. It's a great idea as well, this book that's like defying the laws of everything and it's really dangerous. In a language you can't idea. understand. I loved Chris. I really... <laughs> Sometimes when you get people coming on that are like, what, what's all this? But I loved that he was scientific and like was embracing it that was like he was like this it changes everything and i loved that um and i really thought he was gonna like be a companion and then as we were going through i thought he's not going to be because this was missing and it wouldn't make sense for this person to randomly be here 
And that was what I was like, oh, that's such a shame because actually I reckon if it was made, I mean, decisions got made, made you know, the dynamic between the Doctor and Romana is great, but sometimes I do miss that human touch. And the, this is what I found recently. Like I miss that sort of the audience member being there with them. And now they're the companions that I love the most where the learning comes because they're just like us and they're on our journey, you know? Yeah. As they are two Time Lords, they do need a third sort of presence to give them something, someone someone who can learn in a way. I feel a bit now that I'm like, I'm missing that. I'm missing that because there are times when Romana is as competent as a doctor. It's like if Liz Shaw stayed for more than one series, in, in a way. They are intellectual equals in that way. Yeah, but Liz also had like the human element of like, that and whereas the I mean which one was it well we were like the doctor basically does sweet fa here Roman is like owning it she could basically be the doctor which one was that well it was like um, horns of nine when she's going around with the kids and stuff in her she was taking a lot of of that story and to the point where it's just, and then the doctor's just dumbling around room to room and doing things and I was like it you need that that person who and it worked in the previous Romana a little bit because she was sort of the new I, I don't know fresh out of school but didn't have the knowledge he had I don't know I just feel like they need that other person to and I, I genuinely was like oh it's such a shame because you have been perfect for it you really would that's a good point though what if this story was like uh, a start or an exit of a major like well, no, yeah, they would have had to have finished I mean, it's, it then it's Officially, the first it would have been the first full story of the eighties because the last the Horns of Nyman aired between the end of nineteen seventy nine and the start of nineteen eighty. So this would have been the start of a. It would have been the perfect place to launch the show into the eighties because we've got K nine as well in this. We've still got different voice. Canine, I'm not used which to it. Such a fan of. Yeah, I forgot. I thought they got John Leeson back for this one, but they hadn't. Um, but I like how Chris and K9 got on. Yeah, well, so that much, dynamic. There was so that much was potential. Like, it's so frustrating. Oh, the yeah. thing that I loved about Chris was the fact that he went to the same grammar school as my grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> and also, he passes a good companion test because Romana's like, go and get the first aid kit from the TARDIS. And he just walks in there straight away and manages to find... Yeah, he takes <laughs> Down all the different corridors Does he and back again. Does he pass because he has travelled in the TARDIS? Oh, that's true. But Mark's, I've had this thing, Mark has a theory he has to move to another episode. Yeah, it has to be a different story, but um, he has travelled. Yeah. But then that uh, then that doesn't make Liz Shaw a companion, but we'll forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> if, if only the master of the land of fiction had been in another story. If only they'd been in the, <laughs> in the next I one. said that. He'd have been a great companion. <laughs> that would have been so much fun. I'm no. just trying to pl- just please you here. Just, just put all the things that you're going to go in. Yeah. Uh, but also, um, Chronotis would be a great recurring character if he was like, because he's a Time Lord, friend of the Doctor. Mm. I like that. A bit like Drax, yeah. sort of a diff- completely different Drax type. It's nice that we've got that other Time Lord. Because we haven't had Time Lord stuff for quite a while. Oh, actually, no, we have, haven't we? We've had Time Lord stuff a lot. <laughs> is, it, is it spoilery for me to say that the actor comes back, but not in that role? Is that spoilery? 
You sorry. <laughs> I mean, they, because the, there's in the animated portions, there are some lines for Chronotis. They are taken from one of the future stories that he's going to be in. Ah, um, okay. Uh, because he died. Then. He is long. He's long dead. Um, ah, yeah. But that's but that's clever of them. That's smart. yeah. Like resourceful. Because actually, when when I was listening to some people, I was like, I wonder if people weren't around if they got like family members to come in and record or something like that. So I did wonder. K nine, um, the guy that does K nine version two. He he passed away. Ages yeah, I ago. think I was trying. To, I wasn't sure if what they did with I the voice his came in the animation. Comes mostly from the '90s version, from what I read. I, I I've got the collection box set, and I read the the little leaflet, and they said that he he um and also the DVD version leaflet, <laughs> um and they they said that they they use some of the '90s stuff, and I wonder if they also mined some of the other episodes as well for a bit of audio. I'm glad that we've like moved on past Cambridge though. I, I personally, if if anything dragged for me at all, I mean it's a gr- it's I I enjoy the story for what it is. But I think for me, the story started to I started to lose interest once Cambridge was decentered. Oh really? That's in, I I lost a little bit of interest, but then I think once we'd picked up on like the Doctor, like moving. It's not the Doctor. Who do I mean? The Professor. And what was going on there? Then I became like sort of reinvested again in that like, mm, who are you? Well, we have a bit of, I think there's a bit of padding with the doctor on the bike, the bike chase and everything. It's minor really. padding compared to some though. But not too much. But then you've got that interest of the professor and the, I like the sort of heartbeat Morse code thing and all of that happening. And then he just disappears. So that there's still plenty to, to go on. But I think, I mean, it did need to move on and i like how we've got the spacey element thing and actually with the animation i think it seems like a lot of obviously the spaceship stuff was the stuff that wasn't filmed so you've got all the the obviously the studio stuff in the study with claire is on film and then it doesn't matter so much that all the spacey stuff is animation because they're completely different worlds and, also, and that sort of I helps quite a bit the spaceship can be made really extreme in a way that they wouldn't have been able to do on set it might have been a bit one roomy. <laughs> you know, it looks amazing. Like you feel the the vastness of it, and it, it works really well. Um, that's where the animation can really thrive. I think story. my maybe my disconnect sort of comes a bit from the fact that I did watch it all in one go. Yeah, um, that's uh, a mistake. <laughs> it, is, it was a mistake. Um, it's, I mean, without the episodic version, because I don't have my Blu-ray player uh, here with, where I am at my parents' house at the moment, and it's in my flat in London, so I couldn't watch the episodic version. Um, so I, I did feel sort of that drag. It's like, where do I stop this? Where, yeah, where do I, where do I go have my lunch? Well. He got into the TARDIS and the ball, and then they flew off, and then the ball just stopped. And I think it was it wasn't long after that that I thought I need to stop because I, w- I was waiting for something that felt cliffhangery to like lead. So it must have, I think it was about there, and then I carried on after that. Just a couple of notes just before we get into space. I've I've put R- Romana's toasted muffins on that electric fire. I don't know why I just decided <laughs> to make a note of that. I was, maybe I was hungry. Okay, I was toasting my hot cross bun earlier. It all fits in. <laughs> it's all connected. Yeah. I, I I made a note of Professor Chronotis's line um, 
I'm not allowed to have a TARDIS. He's played it so so sneakily. He's just he's toying with the Doctor and Romana in a, a, a in a way. Um, and there was another line he had um, about when they're talking about hearing the voices. He said, "Oh, it's probably undergraduates talking to each other. I expect I'm trying to have it banned." <laughs> He has some great lines. This sort of do, it's so, he does it so well to a point where you feel sympathy for him as a character because it'd be really easy to be like, oh, it's you and you're that evil thing. But you've built up such a rapport with who this character is, you know, that when it does come out, you have a real sympathy for him of like, oh, my gosh, well, what happened here that – this lovely old man living in Cambridge in a room is giving everyone cups of tea is this evil villain sort of thing. It's it's done And you so feel well. bad when he gets when he gets bald. That's a great effect, actually. It's so simple, just this ball on your head. Yeah. It, with I think without the music it might feel a bit silly. But Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think the music really ca- we've said it already, but there are that's one of the scenes where it really does carry it. And the way the ball was done, I wondered about how they'd filmed that because it doesn't look like it's just a ball on a string, which sometimes these sorts of things can be. Well, I think that it's half ball on string, half like green screen, because the the shots that are close up, that is just someone holding it off shot, I think. Uh, but then, oh, but there is a shot where it's completely stuck yeah, on his head. Yeah, well. yeah. Without, yeah. Like, without music, that could just be like a balloon just, stuck on just your head. flailing about. You know, you get static and it sticks to you. Mark doesn't know because he's scared of balloons, but... (laughs) (laughs) So what, you're scared of birds and Mark's scared of balloons? I hate birds. I absolutely despise birds. And Mark... I'm scared of dead birds. (laughs) 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 Anyway. (laughs) You can't say I'm scared of dead birds. I'm scared of dead birds. Did you talk about the dead bird thing? Because yeah. I remember Sarah's. Bird. We talked about that. I Sarah's, Sarah's scared of like. Because the one that was in the house. Bloody hate live birds. Yeah, it got in the house. It was awful. And even like in Cardiff, the seagulls are about the size of a cat. So like, I will cross the road if I see a seagull. Like, I hate them. But um, no, Mark shut a door on a bird and it died. Oh, oh my god! I forgot about that. That's all you were talking about. No, I've just totally forgot about that. You've, I've just remembered. I'm just reliving that trauma right now. You resurrected oh that god. trauma. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Completely forgotten about. How that. can you forget, Mark? It's like one of the, my funniest stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! He's um, setting the scene. Is how Mark like it was in lockdown, wasn't it? And Mark was leaving for work. And a bird flew in and the cat was going crazy. And so he panicked and shut the door. And as he was shutting it, the bird was going out. And he squashed no. it and it screamed. Oh. No. And um, I don't know why. but And then you rang me saying, like, I've killed a bird. And I was just like, what? And, like, the whole thing's just ridiculous. Because what are the chances of, like, a tiny bird's head just as you're shutting yeah. the What are the chances? But it happened to Mark. It just coming through. It was just coming through as I shut the door. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> And then you buried it, didn't you? Because then I came around and you were like, it's there. And I was like, what's that? And you are like, the little bird. I went, oh, it won't be for long. A cat, a bird, or someone will pick it out. And you, you were traumatised. I thought that's what you were talking about. What, what dead birds are you talking about? I was just talking about general dead birds. General I just don't like seeing them. Just like if you see one on the floor in front of you, I wouldn't want to walk over it. Oh, do you know what I thought <laughs> anyway. the other day? And I was on the phone and I screamed. <laughs> um, a seagull 
eating a pigeon, right? So it like got it in midair, come down and was like, ah. And I was like, ah. And I was on the phone to like someone. I was on the phone to my mortgage advisor. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's the most disgusting thing, screaming and like trying to run around it because like that is vile. That is, I mean, oh, it was awful. So you'd have hated that as well, Mark. But for a different reason. I was just like, the vulgarness of the seagulls. Ugh, no, not a fan. Um, you could um, easily recreate Sharda by making your own sphere, though. That's quite an easy prop to make. What, with a balloon? Well, paper mache, maybe, I'm thinking. But you'd have to, like, blow up a balloon to paper mache yeah. it and then bust a balloon. Yeah. Mm. I yeah. always used to do paper mache, mache on my face. <laughs> <laughs> I used, I, well, for a mask yeah I, I, I when I was like 10 I was making like really bad Doctor Who fan films um, I would I would get I would get um, like my mum or something to I, I put like a, a maybe like a swimming cap on my head and then I'd get my mum to papier mache my face and then I'd just <laughs> gently pry it off and like this is my Cyberman mask I've spray painted silver that's a it's a clever way to do it. Market ideas. And then I got like really weird sort of papier mache stuff on my face, even though the thing was off. I'm like, well, oh, this would be a good Doctor Who alien. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> who? What did we talk about? Like, who did I say I dressed up as recently, Mark? You keep track of these things. Who would you dress yeah, up? Yeah, we were talking about, and I was like, that'd be a good costume. The brigade leader. Oh, I wish. No. <laughs> I don't know. I need someone to be the brigade leader for me to swoon over. That's what I need. Was it one of Romana's outfits she wanted to wear? Oh no, Leela's jumper. Oh, I love Leela's jumper. (laughs) Which is just a a jumper. jumper. (laughs) No, it was it was this season, and I think it was someone that was just a side character, and I was like, I want to do that. I can't remember. Someone will point it out to us, like Uh, not Destiny (laughs) the Daleks, not Creature from the Pit. no, I can't think. I can't think either. That was like, that's a great mm. costume. But anyway, Sharda Party, you can just make spheres. Um, oh, the only other thing, when um, Chronotis is collapsed, I made a note that Romana makes a little cushion out of books, which probably isn't very comfortable. Surely Chronotis has actual cushions in his study. <laughs> well, she just, grabbed, no, she just grabs a load of books and props him up. Tom is really weird in this. Yes, like, especially in the especially in the audio, like the audio of the of the animated bits. Like it, when he's when he's reading the book to Skagra, um, he, he he does this weird like trying to read the code. He's and then and then when he gets brain drained, his weird his weird sound he makes that Tom just makes anyway. He, if you watch some of his recording stuff for Big Finish, he just makes those sounds like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he's enjoying it i think he's having a good time i, and, I agree though there were points like i said right at the start i can't remember it now but there were points from the dialogue and i was like that ain't dialogue that's that's tom baker adding things in i don't think it's as prominent here as it has been and i think it is at a time when nobody can say no to tom baker like you're not gonna it, he just can do whatever he wants and i think that's sort of the thing sometimes it loses its the the essence of the doctor and if you were to compare this um, maybe not so much this one because this one's so choppy it's it's hard to have it but 
let's go back one, the Nyman doctor to like when he first started, they're so different. They are a complete, it's a completely different doctor. And there are elements that, okay, things do change over time, but generally the doctor stays the doctor. Like it's the actor deciding how to put his stamp on the character is the interesting thing. That's why the doctor is such an interesting part to play because the essence of the doctor always remains. And there's just times in this where I feel it's more Tom Baker than Doctor. And I've really noticed it this season. There's something about Tom, late Tom, that I find is quite similar to like George Lucas when he was making the prequel Star Wars films. You just can't say no to him. It's like, no, no, George, that's not the right decision. No, I'm just going to, this is my Star Wars. I'm George Lucas. I'm going to do my comics. And I feel that's what's probably happening here. Like there's people coming in, but he's like, well, I know it so well. But actually it loses some, I don't know. And also it's hard to tell because, I mean, this we've had, this is the first season all Douglas Adams. Uh, scripted. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. so there's also there's elements of like that at play, but I don't feel it's that. I feel it is Tom Baker. And, and then um, I don't know if it's scripted, but it's, the um, the doctor said when when um, Skagrid's left them and he's almost died uh, of, of like the oxygen thing. Um, when uh, Parsons helps him up and he's like, oh, Roman is gone. And then then the doctor says, Skagra, he must suffer. <laughs> it's like, is that a Tom thing? I don't see them writing. He must suffer. But maybe Douglas, maybe Douglas Adams would write. that. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's certain points particularly when he's interacting with others and I'm like I, I sort of sometimes feel is this is this there or is this just there was one oh there was one I wish I could remember it exactly because I never make notes um the he oh that's it's when they're all sat down he's like they get up to move and he's still sat there and so they all sit down and he goes right let's go and I was like I reckon because they all look so confused, like genuine confusion on their face. Not not like acting, like as if a bit like mm, what's oh uh, uh, this is awkward. And I think that's, that's a Tom Baker. That's yeah, not that's making that up in the studio. Making that yeah, up in the studio just... in the moment, and everyone just having to deal with it. The, when they find the old men, and he's he's being introduced to each of the scientists who have no brains left, and he's he's shaking one by the hand. He pats one on one the on head, the head. And then just yeah. taps their cheeks. It's like. That's very Tom. They're the bits where I'm like, I get it, but I, but almost it's like a, of of a liberty. I don't know. I just I'm not a huge because it just doesn't feel like character development in the same way. So in the spaceship stuff, then we get a monster appears. So we do have a monster in this. Maybe not the most memorable creation. What the Krog? Krog. What do we think of the Krogs? No, it reminded me of the Yeti. They were more dynamic in animation. Oh, yeah, they worked well in yeah. the animation. Um, but it was always like, the, they, it was just like they were there for K-9 to shoot at. Yeah, he was a, he was a gun again. Yeah. That was a shame. And we, we get bored of K-9, although it did mean that he didn't talk as much. So I'm a fan of that. My, my favourite K-9 moment was the, the blasted K-9 bit where they're in the prison and she goes, oh, blast it. <laughs> <laughs> and that... I like that. But no, yeah, he's just used as a gun for the rest of the story, essentially. Uh, so that, yeah, it's something for sort of Kanan to sort of run around. And it, okay, it adds an extra bit of threat. I did laugh at K9 going to find the doctor because he was at critical levels and in the process just bringing the monsters along with him. 
I, I don't know why that I just kind of like these guns. Yeah, but I'm a critical level. I don't know. I find this canine really sarky. And th- yeah, this is the bit where it starts to slow down. So the Krog sort of a uh, end of part four is where they're sort of looming on them. Uh, and then we've got sort of five and six, which is mainly on this ship. So highlights for that, though. So you've got the Doctor, the bit where the TARDISes sort of meet up and the Doctor sort of crawl that across scene. that corridor. Yeah. I really, and also that's where the animation works well. Because if that had been on, I don't think they would have had the things to do. It looked great. And yeah, I really liked that. I liked sort of, and you felt the music really helped here because you really felt the fear, the anticipation of it. Because um, also, we, like they're saying stuff, and until you see it happening, you've no idea what's going on. In a very classic Doctor Who way, sometimes where they don't explain anything and then they just do it. This was like. Yeah, I really liked that scene. I like that whole scene, actually. And they can use what's her name, Claire. Well, yeah, and then Claire gets a bit more to do in this, doesn't she? And I do like her as a character. Yeah, I like I felt sorry for her. I did like her. Um I just preferred I just preferred what's her name more. But she's like Chris, she's sort of taking it in her stride, and I know she gets all this information and stuff and she gets Maybe Chris and Cronotus and Claire get their own travels yes <laughs> that is the series we need yes the chronote is traveling around with his companions claire and chris perfect that's what we need that is the series that get is... on a big finish and actually they could take k9 as well oh yeah they can have yeah. k9 the there was a real and this is credit to tom baker when he realizes that like you know it's it feels like it's all over and it felt like a real sense of doom and a real sense of it's over he acted that really well. And the only other time I can think of where it's felt as strong as that is when we have the Daleks. Like, whenever we have the Daleks involved, you feel the sense of, like, their power. And he, he acted so well that, like, he's he literally now has control of everything. Like, it is over. And he acted it so well that he had a real sense of fear on his face and... Yeah, and I, the way that scene played out when they cut to Romana, who's moved, and she's like, hang on, your brain's in there. And that was, it's, but yeah, I thought that was, it. it's the closest to the sense of doom you have with the Daleks that I felt in something. Can we address the plan, Skagra's plan? But first off, does, he takes the professor's mind twice. Yes. He he, surely he doesn't need to do it the second time because he's done it the first time. So surely he has it already. Knocking him out. Um, uh, but also, like, I, maybe some, maybe one of you could uh, explain it a bit to me a bit more because it's it, there's it's some there's some interesting there's some interesting like ideas about like self determination I guess over like over like uh, um, imposition of order in in the scenario um, because because Skagra is talking about how these atoms are doing nothing of any purpose. And it's sort of he's 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 the world he's envisioning is sort of like it sort of lacks creativity um, and uh, there's sort of no joy and no connection and but but then surely so how does he is it that it's just his mind being projected into other people or is it that he's making a copy of his mind because if it's like a copy surely then it's sort of like people like they will have their own ideas as they learn more things like individual people, unless they're like a hive mind. I think it's the hive mind, but, but he, but he leads it. 
So I feel like the ball is like his collection of all the great minds. He collects, and then he, but then he said he because he wanted not to take, he wanted to be the. Yeah, I think he wants to be like the top of the pyramid. If or he's he wants to be queen bee of the hive, and all the everyone works around him. Oh, he'd definitely be a great queen bee, wouldn't he? Yes, he would. He's 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 got the personality for he's got it. The personality. He's got the charisma. He's got the charm. I, I wonder if it would have been like a more satisfying conclusion if he'd like if his downfall had been less from like the, the destroying the orb and more like one of the other people who he's taken over. If they like sort of get there, if they are all themselves Skagra in like so, there's like multiple Skagras and they sort of, sort of start infighting. That's. That would be more of like. I a got really confused. Actually, I agree with a little bit of this plan because I I got a bit confused when they get onto when they're on the ship, and like the animated people who are all green. I don't know why they were green. What the prisoners? Yeah, come out. they were all and wearing. I was like, is this like a sample, or has it already happened? Like, I was trying to work out. Like, is this just him? Like, okay, so we'll trial it here with these prisoner people who are all green, and then I'll move it onto the universe. Um, or is it already? I just couldn't work out. Like I think he's just trialing it out with them, um, and they're very easily, you know, because it's the Doctor's mind too. And I don't know. I mean, you need though. You do need just for it being Doctor Who. You need that battle of like the Doctor winning over the villain. But I get that. But I agree. Like I, I, I was very confused by the the overall and actually it built up really well but the actual execution of it wasn't wonderful <laughs> and wonder if that's some of, because of some of the missing things because obviously they're well i mean the, there's a cool bit where canine blasts the sphere and it breaks down and then it goes into yeah, all the I, love yeah. I can't imagine that happening in the studio and also <laughs> it looked great but then i was kind of like well does this mean there's multiple like it almost opened up more questions for me and i feel like the the idea and the plan was really solid, and I understood that he had capabilities of of taking, but he didn't know how to give his knowledge to other people. I get that. That was all very clever. I needed salivating. Salivating. I can't say it. Salivating. Salivating. Him, the professor. <laughs> that guy, And yeah. I get all that. So that all made sense. But when it came to the actual execution of it, I was a bit like, hmm, okay. I mean, like, I don't fully... But I don't know whether I needed to follow it because he's so Queen Bee. I was just loving him throughout and like loving what he was doing. Also, can we really quickly, can someone tell me who the voice is of the computer? I thought it was like Judy Dench at one point. No, it's not Judy Dench. <laughs> I was like, that voice is so. I said, like, where have I heard that voice before? Having a look. The ship, Shirley Dixon. EastEnders. In... It feels like something uh... like that. She's in the Bridget Jones movies. She's Mrs. Darcy in Bridget Jones. She's Darcy's mother in Bridget Jones. That's what, I mean, like, it's going, but, like, I can see it. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's a really distinct voice. In the audio version of Sharda, it's uh, the computer's played by Hannah Gordon, who is Kirsty from The Highlanders. Oh, well, you'd love oh. that. <laughs> so I prefer that version. Of the computer. <laughs> I'm I'm just gonna say it now because we haven't had it yet. Edith. <laughs> Yay! We don't talk about Edith as much now. We need to bring back. No, I was thinking this the other day. That needs need to like, That needs to go at some point. Oh, hang on. No. Hang on a I've just been handed some mead. I'm just gonna. <laughs> 
yeah. Edith's here at the, the university. You. That's where yeah. she's been. <laughs> Edith's actually a, a lecturer in Anglo-Saxon uh, history or something. <laughs> like, I love Mark's love for Edith. Mark literally is flying the Edith flag, but, like, she needs to get out of the catering team. <laughs> and she I, needs I think- to... Like, she's a chef yeah. now, surely. Do you know what I mean? She's got more skills. She's been in this for a while. She runs her own business, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, actually, while we're on... This is not related at all. But I was just looking at... Um, I was I was on a bit of a tangent the other day, and I was just looking at people that went to my school, and I was just like, you know, you know when you think, like, what are they, what are they up to and stuff? Um, and now this is linked because it's someone that ended up i think at um cambridge right and i was looking and there was this kid who was a year below me in primary school and i always wondered what he like what was he doing what did he because he he was a bit annoying and i looked up <laughs> and he's this proper professor of mathematics who's won loads of awards and has been is a lecturer in oxford now and I was just reading the stuff that he's done, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like he um, he was awarded this prize um, because he showed that for any given decimal digit, there are infinitely many prime numbers that do not have a digit in their decimal expansion. And then in 2020, he improved the best-known bound for square difference free set, showing that a set A bracket thing N with no square difference has a size of... And it's all of these mathematical equations and stuff that he's, like, proved. And I was like, I just remember him doing paper mache in primary school. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. And I couldn't believe it was him. I'm just waiting for the people from Blackburn to do way better than me in life, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't go... I really struggle when I go back home more to Cliff Road than Blackburn, but, like, I can't deal with a night out in Cliff Road and I bump into people I know. I just can't deal with it. I'm just like... And then they were like, oh, you don't sound... You sound really posh now. I'm like, I really don't. <laughs> like, I just don't sound anything like when I'm at home. And it doesn't help that sometimes I throw out Welsh words because I'm used to doing that here. Why Why does the professor even try to use his powers against Skagra? He reveals himself. Skagra I didn't wondered know. that. He, just, he did it. It's like, why? You've revealed who you are. Yeah, I wondered that. I wondered if it was just to try and, like, change it. I don't know. But because you only ever see... Because that's the animated part, isn't it? You only ever see his eyes. I wondered if he was starting something and then... Skagra was supposed to do something else. I don't know. But I agree. I thought that. I was like... Why? What are you achieving here? Unless it's just to really make it super clear to the audience who he is. Like, in a very, like, simple way. But I agree. <laughs> like, we sort of work Because you're like supposed that. to think that at the, very, at the very beginning that Skagra is actually is Sally Avin. Why can't I save it? I think because there's that talk of Sally Avin right at the beginning, obviously because of the professor later on, but you're supposed to think that is Sally Avin that's escaped and that's maybe, aren't you? So Going back to Skagra's acting, his last scene isn't the best. No, but it's animated. Like, no, where he's like, no, 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 it's the last scene and it's filmed um, where he's in the prison at the end and he's like, no... No. Or... Oh, was that? On... Do you know what? I genuinely remember that as. 
No, you're right. It was filmed. What I, I really I... enjoyed about the story is that all of the characters got to have their goodbye on film rather than animated as well. Yes. Yeah. That would have been a shame if they hadn't because there's a time in this story as well for that sort of comedy policeman ending with with everything. That's nice that they're back. Yeah, it's we're so lucky that they scheduled all of the professor's study stuff to be filmed first. If it was the other way around and all we had was that spaceship. It would be a bit tiresome in a way. I, I think that worked in, in the story's favour in that I think that the best Skagra stuff happened in animation. I thought I thought he was the most engaging. He was really slick when he was animated, like all his finger snaps and and like the the, the dark interiors. Like if that was filmed then, then it would be really harshly lit. But he was like he was there sitting watching Doctor Who. He was like he was watching the live action adventures of Tom Baker of like the last season, and he was just sat there like lying. And he was watching it and like clicking his fingers, and I, I thought that it was like his performance was really was really energetic, even though the actor himself was much older. I don't know if that's just come with like experience of living that much longer life. I've met him. I've met him. I met Skagra. I have you. Go on, yeah. tell us. I can't. I don't know. I can't remember now, really. But he signed my Sharda DVD. But I did meet him. I think I was a bit scared of him because he was a bit scary. But no, he was nice. <laughs> But um, I didn't get a photo or anything. I don't know why I didn't. I wasn't that bothered at the time. Um, Had you just been put no, off yeah, by, by um, I don't know, um, Carol Ann Ford saying, I don't watch, don't really watch. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Let's just go right to the end. Sarah, were you surprised with nowadays Tom Baker making a specially filmed appearance? Yeah. I, I, mean, I was a bit confused because... I don't know if you guys had this, but um, Romana's dialogue was so quiet. Yeah. Too quiet. Like, you knew she was far off, but literally, I was like, what is that? Like, so I was like, what's going on? And then you realize actually the whole point is they've obviously just put record in another space and it's picking up on like the mics. I think those two tend to record in different spaces. Yeah. Yes. We've discussed that. (laughs) So. It was obvious that, like, they've obviously recorded that and they're just playing it in another room somewhere, hoping it picks up the idea that she's in another room. And it, it just didn't work very well because I really struggled to hear her dialogue. Uh, but it was quite a nice surprise. And it's just quite nice. It's I felt like it sort of rounded off this unique story element. The story itself, not unique, but the way that it's come about, it just sort of rounded off the uniqueness of it all really well. And, yeah, and they tried to... F- sort of blend it in so they used like the same kind of cameras that they would have used in the 70s they recreated that TARDIS console room and everything yeah it's just a really nice touch it's a it really nice it. touch and like you don't yeah. see it coming but and, they, and then he's, it's to the camera to his light it's just it's it just sort of rounds off what feels very special and it fits with this story I don't think you could do it for any other story but because it's this sort of Douglas Adamsy script of this sort of with with time lords in and just this these weird i don't know it just fits i don't think you could just do that at the end of any the fact, that story. the fact that it is this one that has also had such a complex sort of history of like getting to be what it is now it's sort of round like like i, I think that was your implication that it, it, it sort of rounds off this really nice it sort of wraps wraps it up nicely the 2017 version says we have now done it we have made sharda you don't have to make it again and then they make the episodic version for the box set. But. <laughs> yeah. 
I think if it if the story hadn't been as strong, and I just was like, finally, I'd have been like, but actually, because the story was strong, and it was just such a unique way of it all happening. It, it yeah, it just had a nice sort of feel to it, and also it's the end of the season. Well, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have. Well, it wouldn't, wouldn't be. Yeah. It wasn't. But it, but it for me as well, it's the end of the season. So it just sort of rounded <laughs> off this sort of experience, yeah. I think. Mm. So that TARDIS set that they recreated, that so it must have been what, 2017 that came out? Maybe it was 2018. They had it at a convention. She could go on the set and Lala Wall was there and I have my photo with her at the console. Oh, I should have brought it with me. I'll have to dig have it to out, post it up. Um, but that's the only time I met Lala Ward. Is she oh, another Annika Wills? No, she, she's not. No, she's not. She's pleasant and she's nice. And she <laughs> she's not like Annika Wills at all then. <laughs> no, she appreciates the fans. I don't think she would put up with. Uh, oh, I don't. I don't really know how to explain it. She can. Maybe she can have a bit of a sort of a frostiness sometimes if she's not enjoying it. And I don't think she has to do it. I mean, I kind of get it in the sense of. It's obviously a really weird time in your life where you married a man and then got divorced not long later. (laughs) And the whole purpose of meeting this man and most of your is this show. So although, like, your work is one thing, like, it's probably a very awkward, like... And she probably is always thinking, oh, they're going to ask me questions about that or it or him or... And that always just sits there as being a thing. So do you think this story... If it was just a normal, it had all been made and it was just part of the season, do you think it would feel so special and be such a good story? Do you think it holds up on its own? I think it does, actually. I think, like, the Cambridge element... Like, whenever I saw the film bits, I was like, I get why they've done this now. Like, I get why they've gone to all this trouble, if that makes sense. Because it it's a lot of trouble, it's a lot of money. But I get it. Because actually, it's a really solid story. Yeah, we know roughly because of the animation what things would have looked like. Chances are they wouldn't have been as vast. And it's just things like it's so hard to compare. You can only go off what exists because it's not even like it was missing. It never existed. That's the difference here. It's not like when they do a missing episode and there's like, oh, well, there's pictures and it was this. It never existed. So what they have created is what it is. And I think what it is is great. I really enjoyed it. More than I thought. It's inter- it's interesting because uh, Douglas Adams himself wasn't really a big fan of it. He 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 like he bashed it out in a couple of days uh, before the director came on board. I, I've got a bit of a quote that he put. He said, I didn't particularly like it. I thought it was rather thin, at most a mediocre four-parter stretched over six parts. So when that was cancelled, I thought, phew, because it wasn't very good. And now at least I'm spared anybody seeing it. <laughs> And I read as well. He did he accidentally sign for it for it to be allowed to come out yeah, on video. The and then when he realised, he was like, "Take my name off it." Really? Like off the video thing? Yeah, he accidentally said and it could be released. He, I think he so. did, donated any proceeds to Comic Relief um, that would come from it as well. Other than the very start where you've got those characters, I can't think of any real weak performances throughout it. It's a really good, strong guest cast. Yeah. I think that's what makes it. And that's what really makes it. I mean, it, I mean it, it comes at this this point. Its place is like this, uh, it's almost a figurehead of like a history of like Doctor Who's uh, relationship with industrial action as well. I mean, the, the industrial action element of it is fundamental to the existence even today of, of this story. Like it comes after like strikes from the spearhead from space was 
became a film thing, a thing entirely made up on film because of strikes. Um, Robot had strike um, problems. Uh, City of Death was only as successful, really, ratings-wise, as it was because of strikes. And strikes really make this one as well. Um, I mean, there was a, there was a quote, I, I think. If I, I mean, uh, the, the fact that it has it, it is the, this product of industrial action has contributed to, I think, our enjoyment of it now. Because I, I do think the animation is a strength of this story. And it sort of it adds to this complex history that the the story has, um, where it's 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 seen as this cursed story that's had so many sort of different incarnations. And in a way, production wise, it is it is cursed. I think the curse may have been somewhat lifted now, but I mean the fact that the right the, the two people who worked on it very closely in Douglas Adams and um, Graham Williams the who they essentially co-wrote it over those three days um, as Graham Williams producer and Douglas Adams as writer they both died prematurely I mean um, uh, it's, a, it's sort of like part of this curse in a way like Douglas Adams died in 2001 uh, I think he was he was 49. And Graham Williams was 45 when he died in a shooting accident. It's It's got this really complex, rather sad legacy, I think, because it's the end of the, the Graham Williams era. So this is the, yeah, the last of this producer's time. Yeah, it's it's the end of the, the Graham Williams era. And the, I, what was it, the production man, I don't know what John Nathan Turner's job was uh, at the time, because he worked on the production. He's been on it for a few, yeah, and then he takes over as producer um, for the next season, but he's been like... Location, some yeah. unit um, person, not unit, 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 because it starts out for Douglas Adams as quite a sentimental story. It's him revisiting his Cambridge years, and then it ends in it, for him uncompleted, um, and for, for Graham Williams as well. In a, it's it's got a dark legacy in terms of production, and it's sort it's sort of so sad that it comes out of that sort of hope of of like a nostalgia of of the past for Douglas Adams. Um, but but for us as viewers, we have seen the light of it. Yeah, these things you don't think you're watching these stories, and you're like, you have no idea all this behind the scenes stuff that's going on. Like, but that's almost I think some of that running out of time, money. That's some of the beauty of all this, though. Like that's the bits that I find interesting, where we can place things into time, and it's like when we've watched episodes, and they're obviously about like joining the European Union or like you know things like that. It, you know, we can sit here and remember when you have the elements of life around it and what's going on in the world it is a real um timeline of history is it one of your favorites of the season Ooh, it's up there it's definitely up there i mean can i remember the season no <laughs> next week's job. Okay. <laughs> That's next week's job to start assigning names to episodes again for me i think it's one of the yeah it's the strongest one of the season for me yeah I really enjoyed um, the pirate ship. Is that what I mean? What do I mean? Pirate Planet. That was a little while ago. What do I mean then? Which one did I enjoy this season? Oh, you mean Horns of Nymon? No. No. Creature from the Pit? Which one was it? Okay, so this this season is um, Destiny of the Daleks. That's Paris, isn't it? Um, Oh, no, no, no. No. Wait, hang on. So Daleks... And they didn't talk a lot, yeah. Then City of Death is Paris. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. With Blob, um, yeah. The Nightmare of Eden. Are you talking about the Nightmare of Eden? Yes, I think I am. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, of course. Yes. Nightmare of Eden. 
Uh, yeah, that's the one with the... Um, <laughs> the one with the, and the weird German accent the professor has. Yes! I really enjoyed it. Yes. I yes. loved that one. So, yes, I think it, it's up I there. I love it because it's got Iron Gron from Time Warrior in it. We, we did try and explain that in the episode, but uh, I don't think Sarah remembers <laughs> Iron Gron now. He's he's way in the past. Yeah, the trouble is, I just... If something sticks, it really sticks. But if it's forgotten and Mark knows it, it doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> if it's not Altos and Zabitha or whatever, then you've, you've got no chance. <laughs> if they haven't got great legs and tights, it's really hard <laughs> to remember. But see, this one's going to be remembered for a long time because I'll just say the Cambridge one. And yeah, you'll be yeah. Like, yeah, straight away. You just talk about Skagra's magnificent cape and hat and you'll know. <laughs> Or the punting one, yeah. or yeah, Mark will has renamed pretty much every story for me. In I just have to give it a, a description. <laughs> what's, um, what's the one that's um? Oh, the professors at breakfast. Which one? A scientist at breakfast. Yeah, yeah. and I... that's image. That's image of the. Like uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we got it. What's the one with Benedict Cumberbatch's mum, or one of them? Oh, really. Oh, did you mention it at the time, Mark, and I've just forgotten? I think I did say at the time. <laughs> that that uh, was her, se- her second who, I think. Oh, she's in the faceless ones. Yeah, because I said she was in the faceless ones, which is, oh, I don't know, the Gatwick Airport. Oh, yeah, 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 with the, the hat. With Polly. Yeah, yeah. The hat, the hat. of course, the hat. <laughs> yes, of course, there we go. <laughs> um, so, James, where in the sort of rankings would you put Sharda in terms of I don't know, Tom Baker stories. Tom, Tom Baker stories. I think it's going to be in the upper percentile or whatever the word is. Um, I I, th- I think it's, in terms of this season, I think City of Death has to take it for me, personally. Everyone loves City of Death, I, don't they? I, I really enjoy it. Um, I really enjoy just running around in Paris, like <laughs> like singing the music really loud. I have done that. I was in 2017. <laughs> I, went to, I went to Paris. And I was just running around, just humming the City of Death. I went to the the the, the doors, the old chateau, uh, which don't seem to be there anymore, or they weren't the last time I was there, um, which was made me really sad. Um, um, but then I think I think it's got to be up there with your with your Genesises and. And the um, I don't know your pyramids of Marses and and those sorts of those sorts of ones. I think it's around there. I think this one's on that level. Maybe maybe if not on the top level, then the one below. <laughs> if you've got four tiers, it's I was going to say tier it. Yeah. I, but tiers, it's it's as I said that, tier. I felt COVID. I was having flashbacks to being in. Tier <laughs> <of COVID. laughs> yeah, I think yeah, it's got a good reputation. This one, I think, it's a, it's a fan favorite. We'll see how it does at the yeah. Oscars. So we've got a, we've got the eighties to come now. Which Who is, is it from Inferno? They've got to win the couple award. Those two. Um, oh, uh, with the noses. No, no. Um, oh no, Petra and Greg. Greg. From, oh yes, yes, I remember Petra. So yes, yeah, so we've got yeah, we've got the Doskers coming up, and then we will do the nineteen seventies All Stars oh, awards as well. So we've got a lot to decide on, a lot to remember before we head off to the eighties. This is going to be so hard because the sixties was not ten years. Soldied better oh, no, than best yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, true. This will be so tricky. <laughs> Good luck, Mark. Get thinking of all the names of these things and. Yeah, it's fine. I will do all the admin. <laughs> <laughs> Mark knows his job. <laughs> there we go. Well, um, 
yeah, I suppose we better we better finish before the police arrive. So yeah, thank you very much, James, for joining us to talk about Sharda. Yeah, so we will be back next then with the Doskers. Uh, we'll get deciding. Uh, and we'll also put out on Twitter uh, some polls to help us decide for the f- the 70s awards. I've got uh, uh, some polls to put out and we'll, uh, we'll go from there to find the ultimate winner. Uh, so look out for that. Uh, and in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at 2WatchWho. You can support us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash 2WatchWho. And we will see you very soon. We're going to start our adventures in Chronotus's TARDIS now. We're going to go off with uh, with the Professor and. and his oh crew. yeah, I mean yes. we're in it. Yeah. Okay. Off yeah, into the eighties. Um, who's who wants to press the button? Oh, you've got to hold it for ages. Remember, like oh, it's, oh, it's really a hot, body so. strength test. Is that? Oh yeah. Okay. We all need to hold the lever things. Okay. okay. I remembered something. <laughs> okay. Bye. 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 Watch who?